Section 27 of the Memorable Thoughts of Socrates by Xenophon. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Memorable Thoughts of Socrates by Xenophon Translated by Edward Beach Book 3 Chapter 10 Socrates, in conversation with several artificers, a painter, a statuary, and an armorer, showeth his skill and good taste in the finer arts. As Socrates studied to be useful in all his conversations, so he never happened to be in company even with tradesmen but he always said something that might be of service to them going once into the shop of the painter parasius he entertained himself with him in the following manner is not painting said he a representation of all we see for with a few colors you represent on a canvas mountains and caverns light and obscurity you cause to be observed the difference between the soft things and hard between things smooth and rough you give youth and old age to bodies and when you would represent a perfect beauty it being impossible to find a body but what has some defect your way is to record several and taking what is beautiful from each of them you make one that is accomplished in all its parts we do so said parasius can you represent likewise said socrates what is most charming and most lovely in the person i mean the inclination how think you answered parasius we can paint what cannot be expressed by any proportion nor with any color and that has nothing in common with any of those things you mentioned and which the pencil can imitate in a word a thing that cannot be seen do not the very looks of men replied socrates confess either hatred or friendship in my opinion they do said parasius you can then make hatred and friendship appear in the eyes i own we can do you think likewise continued socrates that they who concern themselves either in the adversity or prosperity of friends keep the same look with those who are wholly unconcerned for either by no means said he for during the prosperity of our friends our looks are gay and full of joy but in their adversity we look cloudy and dejected this then may be painted likewise it may besides said socrates magnificence generosity meanness of mind cowardice modesty prudence insolence rusticity all appear in the looks of a man whether sitting or standing you say true 
and cannot the pencil imitate all this likewise? It may. And in which do you take most pleasure, said Socrates, in regarding the picture of a man whose external appearance discovereth a good natural disposition, and bespeaks an honest man, or of one who wears in his face the marks of a vicious inclination? There is no comparison between them, said Parasius. Another time, talking with Cleto the sculptor, he said to him, I wonder not that you make so great a difference between the statue of a man who is running a race and that of one who stands his ground to wait for his antagonist with whom he is to wrestle or to box or to play a prize at all sorts of defence. But what ravishes the beholders is that your statues seem to be alive. I would fain know by what art you imprint upon them this wonderful vivacity. Cleto, surprised at this question, stood considering what to answer when Socrates went on. Perhaps you take great care to make them resemble the living persons, and this is the reason that they seem to live likewise. It is so, said Cleto. You must then, replied Socrates, observe very exactly in the different postures of the body what are the natural dispositions of all the parts, for when some of them stoop down, the others raise themselves up. When some are contracted, the others stretch themselves out. When some are stiff with straining, others relax themselves. And when you imitate all this, you make your statues approach very near the life. You say true, said Cleto. Is it not true, likewise, replied Socrates, that it is a great satisfaction to beholders to see all the passions of a man who is in action well expressed? Thus, in the statue of a gladiator who is fighting, you must imitate the sternness of look with which he threatens his enemy. On the contrary, you must give him, when victor, a look of gaiety and content. There is no doubt of what you say. We may then conclude, said Socrates, that it is the part of an excellent statuary to express the various affections and passions of the soul by representing such and such motions and postures of the body as are commonly exerted in real life whenever the mind is so and so affected. Another time, Socrates, being in the shop of Pistias the armorer, who showed him some corslets that were very well made. I admire, said Socrates to him, the invention of these arms that cover the body in the places where it has most need of being defended, and nevertheless are no hindrance to the motions of the hands and arms. But tell me why you sell the suits of armor you make dearer than the other workmen of the city, since they are not stronger nor of better tempered or more valuable metal. 
I sell them dearer than others, answered Pistius, because they are better made than theirs. In what does this make consist? said Socrates. In the weight or in the largeness of the arms? And yet you make them not all of the same weight nor of the same size, but to fit every man. They must be fit, said Pistius. Otherwise they would be of no use. But do you not know, replied Socrates, that some bodies are well shaped and others not? I know it well. How then, continued Socrates, can you make a well-shaped suit of armor for an ill-shaped body? It will be sufficient if they are fit for him, answered Pistius. For what is fit is well made. You are of the opinion, then, added Socrates, that one cannot judge whether a thing be well made, considering it merely in itself, but in regard to the person who is to use it. As if you said that a buckler is well made for him who it fits, and in like manner of a suit of clothes and any other thing whatsoever. But I think there is another convenience of having a suit of armor well made. What do you take that to be? said Pistius. I think, answered Socrates, a suit of armor that is well made does not load the bearer so much as one ill-made, even though it weigh as much. For ill-made arms, by pressing too much upon the shoulders or hanging cumbrous on some other part, become almost insupportable and greatly incommode the person that weareth them. But those arms which, as they ought, distribute an equal weight to all the parts of the body, that join upon the neck, the shoulders, the breast, the back, and the hips, may be said to be glued to the body, and to weigh nothing at all. For this, said Pistius, I value the arms I make. It is true that some choose rather to part with their money for arms that are gilds and finely carved, but if with all this they fit not easy upon them, I think they buy a rich inconveniency. Socrates went on. But since the body is not always in the same posture, but sometimes bends and sometimes raises itself straight, how can arms that are very fit be convenient and easy? They never can, said Pistius. Your opinion, therefore, is, said Socrates, that the best arms are not those that are most fit and fit closest to the body, but those that do not incommode the person that wears them. You, too, are of the same opinion, replied Pistius, and you understand the matter all right. End of section 27